Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guests today are Ellie Rivera, co-founder and CEO of The Way Out, where they are breaking the cycle of incarceration through technology and living wage jobs. Joining us also is Ruben Gaona, Chief Operating Officer and co-founder of The Way Out. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ellie and Ruben. Thank you for having us, Heather. Thank you, Heather, for having us here on board. For sure. You know, let's just dive in and get started. I'd love to have our listeners hear more about the background and the history of The Way Out and more about the mission. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so, you know, this this uh, evolution of this project really began in the, uh, towards the very end of the summer of 2019, um, end of August, uh, where American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact hosted, co-hosted an event with the generator at the Sherman Phoenix in Milwaukee's um, uh, Sherman Park neighborhood. And guests were able to experience a panel of guests who had uh, either been incarcerated themselves, had family uh, who was incarcerated, or in some way have been impacted by the criminal justice uh, system. Both Ruben and I were in attendance, and uh, we were all asked to, um, you know, come up with a solution, uh, propose a solution, uh, kind of break out into small groups, uh, and and uh, you know, kind of uh, brainstorm those ideas and then present them at the event. And so, uh, you know, Ruben and I actually were both in two completely different groups, and we were not even uh, the the folks who were leading the groups. We were just uh, ironically in two completely separate groups, never had met one another, didn't know anything of one another. Uh, And it wasn't until a few weeks later when we returned for a a follow-up that Ruben and I had been introduced in the interim Um, Come to find out, Ruben was actually a student of my wife uh, over at the University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee here. And we hit it off and we we really started to put our brains, uh, you know, behind this idea, this notion, both Ruben and I having been incarcerated and struggled to to find employment and seen others struggle coming out of the system, had, had really decided we you know, uh, an employment platform was the, the way to go. And uh, the idea was born for a anti-bias employment platform, uh, one where the employee and the employer remain cloaked uh, until contextually there's a match. So, so 
you know, consider it a uh, almost like a dating app for employers and employees, uh, sight unseen. But once the the match was made, uh, then that's that's when the formal introduction would happen, and then uh, all of the uh, additional support mechanisms would would be put into place, uh, thereby assuring uh, a safe transition in for the. Uh, uh, the justice-involved job seeker, uh, seamless uh, fit into the organization for the employer, and then ongoing support would continue through a mobile app and dashboard. That's really amazing to know that this started with being able to brainstorm, you know, like you said, in completely separate groups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, again, nobody knew what to expect at that time. I don't think Ruben, uh, like myself, thought that, you know, a little over a year later, here we would be talking on this broadcast, uh, much less some of the other uh, incredible successes that we've had along the way in such a short time. That's great. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about those successes, too. Absolutely. absolutely. My goodness. Uh, you know, Generator has... has along with American family, uh, have really been an incredible support to us. Uh, Everything from that initial touch point to having been accepted into the G-Alpha Accelerator uh, program in May of 2020, and then subsequently the G-Beta in the uh, winter of 2020. And and all in between that, you know, we were able to to meet with and validate our idea with uh, organizations specializing in reentry and employment across the state. And, uh, you know, it was a a big yes, we could really use, you know, not only the the ability to kind of have this uh, anonymous profile, uh, you know, through the through the platform, so that folks could be judged on their skill sets and and other, uh, you know, contextually relevant information, but also the, the, the notion of creating a support system, a digital support system uh, that would follow this person uh, throughout the, their engagement with their employer was something everybody said hands down would be helpful. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, uh, again, we ran with that with the support of these organizations. We've had, uh, everything has been self-funded. So, so, you know, we chose not to go the nonprofit route because we did not want to compete uh, for nonprofit uh, donations and dollars from the very organizations we were asking to help us with this venture. Uh, so, so we formed a uh, Wisconsin benefit corporation through the, the help of uh, UW-Madison's uh, Law and Entrepreneurship Clinic, uh, all at, at no cost to us. So again, a, a wonderful opportunity and sponsorship that, that was made available to us. Uh, and, and on and on, again, you know, the community has, has jumped in in several ways. Um, from uh, just the GoFundMe campaign that we have to uh, low-interest loans um, to, uh, again, uh, very kind, generous uh, donations through American Families uh, Insurance Institute for corporate and uh, social impact. Uh, They've just sponsored 15 reentry service providers across the state. Uh, which should have an impact uh, by our calculations of almost a thousand people, um, you know, to to reenter safely, uh, find their their support needs, fill those needs, and find them employment and keep them from uh, returning to to prison. And I was going to ask, as you were talking and about this focus that it sounds like many different 
organizations are having on reentry. You know, g- give us a little bit of insight as to why that is so important to tackle successful reentry when individuals come out of incarceration. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a real you know sobering statistic to to think that you know almost seven hundred thousand formerly incarcerated individuals are released annually uh, back into society. And, and the cost to house them in prison is roughly $24.5 billion uh, for, for those almost 700,000 people. And so the unfortunate reality is within three years, two-thirds uh, of them will return to prison, uh, costing an additional almost $16.5 billion. So there's a huge, huge, just on the surface alone, financial impact. And that's not to mention, you know, what it does to families, what it does to communities, uh, specifically, you know, Ruben and I and our partners, um, all of us are, are persons of color uh, and, and have all experienced firsthand in one way or another um, what what the the, the prison uh, experience does to to our families and our communities. Oh, thank you. That is a like I think you said a very sobering statistic of those numbers that I had not heard before. Yeah, it's it's an incredible uh, you know an incredible expenditure, and and you know again that's not including uh, the impact of uh, additional social services for the families, the the, the children uh, who have you know more than than a fifty percent likelihood of following in those footsteps, and on and on. If you really calculate it, we're we're talking trillions of dollars. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, with that, let's. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll really hear more about the programs and solutions that you bring to individuals through The Way Out. Excellent. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor, and my guests today are Ellie Rivera and Ruben Gaona from The Way Out. So talk to us about the different programs that you have through The Way Out to work with individuals on reentry and maybe even what some of those you know, experiences are like, what solutions that provides for individuals and families. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, through our personal experiences, as well as speaking with others who who have gone through this process, you know, one of the greatest challenges of returning uh, to society and finding a job after incarceration is going from that really limited lifestyle with with few choices to coming out into what, you know, we refer to as the real world and having all of these these challenging, uh, you know, choices and responsibilities that suddenly someone is inundated with, that that can become really, really, really hard. And oftentimes that's the catalyst for folks to to just say, you know what, this is way too much. I, I can't handle this. Uh, and, and, and that's one of the leading causes uh, of recidivism is, is someone just kind of throwing their hands up and saying, you know, it was so much easier on the inside. Uh, I had housing, I had employment, I had food. Uh, and, and, you know, as unfortunate as that may sound for some folks, uh, that is a safety net. Uh, and so, so, you know, with that, we realized it was really important to streamline that 
reentry experience uh, for returning citizens to, to make sure that uh, you know they were able to immediately have their needs met, whether it was transportation, housing, healthcare, uh, certainly employment. Employment's our big focus, but we always tell folks, you, you know, you can only show up as, as your best self as an employee when all of the other circumstances in your life are taken care of. And I, we believe that holds true whether you've been incarcerated or not, right? If you're worried about mm-hmm. who's going to take care of your kids or how you're going to get to work or, you know, are you going to make that mortgage or rent payment? All of those things weigh on you and you can't be your best self and therefore we can't provide for employers, you know, the the best possible fit uh, for for those roles uh, with longevity in mind. Uh, So so the platform itself is designed in such a way whereby whether someone has just come out of incarceration, uh, has already been uh, assigned to or working with a reentry case manager, they can come to our website at TWOUT.org. And fill out an onboarding application, which asks what types of supports do they need. It does a a very thorough ask of the the particulars of their offense, of their history of incarceration, all of this information so that we can pull away from it the contextual data that's important, but maintain the integrity of the information that that must be kept. Uh, Because we, we can't align somebody, say, who's had a bank robbery felony with a bank position, right? So, so we're, you know, we're, we're maintaining uh, the anonymity and, and at the same time, making sure we're not uh, offering false hope to anybody because later on down the road, uh, they, they may be disqualified for a position. So, so that's the first step of what, what our platform does. It really uh, takes that, that holistic approach to what other needs do you need before we dive into uh, employment? And then from there, you know, uh, folks may recognize, uh, you know, even Indeed right now has ads about how, how folks uh, coming out of incarceration are using their platform for employment. Uh, so, so we know that, that we're not the only uh, employment platform uh, that deals with uh, returning citizens. We, we call them justice-involved job seekers. Um, you know, we, we know that, but, but we know we're the best because we don't just match the employer and the employee. We're also providing ongoing communication between that reentry uh, service provider, any ancillary uh, service providers, the employer, uh, and the employee via our mobile app and dashboard. So everybody is connected. Everybody is, is a part of this um, uh, returning citizens experience back into reentry and then subsequently through employment. So, so we like to say, you know, like it or not, an employer is getting the way out as well as the employer, as, as well as the employee when they sign up uh, and work with us. Well, and it sounds like it almost helps the justice involved job seeker to organize, organize their team, you know, organize the people that they need involved in their reentry. Right. From having employers, having their caseworker all be able to communicate via the via the mobile app. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, oftentimes, again, going from from no information to a ton of information, uh, you know, it's hard to keep track of that. So the app does just that. It it allows their reentry tracks to be set everywhere where they need to go, um, you know, uh, directions to, to who they're seeing next, who they're supposed to be seeing, um, you know, what the outcomes are, are to be. It's even incentivized. So as folks are finishing these tracks, they're earning prizes, uh, you know, 
we have anything from uh, sponsorship scholarships for uh, specific programs to food and beverage incentives, uh, you, you name it. But Keeping someone engaged on this uh, is is critical, uh, and then on the employment side of things, uh, you know, we we incentivize at the 30, 60, 90, six month, and one year anniversaries for for the uh, justice involved uh, job seeker because we we want them to be uh, in it for the long term for for the employer. So so to your point, absolutely. The the more touch points, the more people are involved. We also believe that validates the returning citizen because they feel like, wow, look at all these people that care that are, that are part of my, my reentry experience. Can really uh, provide, you know, motivation and help Mm -hmm. people to see the support that's there for them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, as you were talking about this, I wanted to hear a bit more about the importance of anonymity from the job seekers perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in in our research, we've found out that, uh, you know, an individual with a felony has about a 50% less likelihood of getting a call back from an employer. Uh, And typically unemployment for folks who have a history of incarceration uh, are are five times greater than that of the general population. So currently it's well over 27%, which is an unemployment rate that was, that is higher than it was even during the Great Depression. So, so there is an automatic uh, bias that affects folks who have had a, a history of incarceration. And that's, that's where we find the necessity of like, hey, you know, if you need somebody who's a, a, a strong leader, who, who's excellent with numbers, who, you know, who, who has capacity to do the job, should the fact that they were incarcerated weigh in as heavily as the fact that they want a job? They're more than suitable for the job, and they have the skills and the expertise to perform the job. Sure. That's really uh, important and interesting. Thanks for sharing. You know, you talked a bit about how your services differ than other services that are out there, like, say, just a, a job platform that's open to all. You know, what other pieces make it so, not so much your organization and your app that make it unique, but what makes it unique from the job seeker? For the, the job seeker, uh, again, you know, they're, they're getting a holistic experience. We're not just, you know, considering them a, a cog that's going to be part of, a, of an employer's wheel. We're, we're seeing them as, as a complete human being, and we want to support them in, in every way possible. So, so we really, really want to make sure that we're adding value to their life and, and whereby creating someone who's much more motivated, much more driven uh, to, to be the best they can be in an employment setting. One of the other things that makes it very important as a job seeker is understanding that the people that are assisting them are people that have walked in the shoes that they have walked. You know, Enli is privately incarcerated. I'm privately incarcerated. We both, I've struggled coming out of incarceration to find sustainable employment or to even get a second chance at first. So we could relate to what's needed from them and assist them to set those goals that they need so they'd be able to prioritize on so they could be successful to re-enter into society and understand that they might be employers that are not willing to provide a second chance, but there are furthermore that are willing to provide that second chance opportunity. So let us help you at the one team one five mentality to work together to further on your career so you don't have to fall back into incarceration or go back to what you used to know best. 
That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I think that that is really important. Like you've talked about the, the bias that, that our culture can have about the um, formerly incarcerated. And so, you know, to give more support to people that really want to be able to add value to the to society and, and to come back and be able to be an active member of an active citizen of our world. You know, so much of that is hinged on finding their own value, which is often so much tied to employment. Let's take another short break. And then when we come back, we'll actually discuss what is impactful for the business side of it. So we'll be right back after a short break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor, and my guests today are Ellie Rivera and Ruben Goano from The Way Out. So let's talk from the business or employer perspective as to how how companies and why companies would come to your organization and why hiring the formerly incarcerated is important to them. Yeah, you know, in, the, in this day and age, we've come a long way where the folks are really looking to kind of create a, a legacy within their business. Uh, having the social impact has become really, really important. Um, you know, I think now more than ever, we're starting to recognize that there is no separation uh, between the haves and have nots because the, the reality is we, we all influence and affect one another. And so by, by creating a more equitable uh, employment landscape, one creates a more equitable uh, community in, in general as a whole and everybody benefits. And so, you know, we're, we're all, as Ruben says, you know, his, his Navy vernacular, it, it is one team, one fight because we're, we, we are all, you know, it's hard to be truly successful and enjoy your success when you know others are suffering. So, so that's really the starting point. Uh, you know, if, if you really want to enjoy what you have, I think it's, it's much harder to do so when you know it's at the expense of someone else or, or someone's not, uh, you know, not getting an equal shot at the, at the game. And so I think, you know, employers are starting to see that, that there is an importance in that. And, and maybe it's all, you know, kind of been part of the, the entire uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, movement that we're seeing across the board. Um, because two thirds of the folks who are incarcerated are persons of color. And so it all ties together. If you're going to to help or or address uh, returning citizens, know that that that's exactly who the majority of of, of the folks are. And so, uh, you know, on that that very altruistic level, it is about social impact. Uh, about helping to keep families together, grow stronger communities. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if collectively we could we could get you know uh, Milwaukee uh, move away from from having some of the worst rates of, of incarceration, uh, especially amongst uh, black men and women? Uh, you know, there there are some things we can achieve together that that would be mutually beneficial. So so that's the beginning of it, and then of course um, there there are all sorts of other financial incentives that that employers will benefit from folks who are bought into their organization, feeling supported by their organization. Uh, in fact, um, one study showed that that folks who are employed uh, have about a 13% less likelihood of leaving an employer um, because of their, their justice-involved uh, past. And so, so there is a, a level of, of longevity and, and uh, greater potential for, for that loyalty. And I would think that that would 
help businesses when it comes to having to go through hiring process again and retraining? Absolutely. You know, we're, we're hoping that employers will, you know, not only see that, that social impact um, and, and really, you know, buy into that, but also, yes, it's, it, it is, we, we see ourselves as a transformational platform, but, but we're also in a transactional uh, area of business, which is employment. And so, so we understand that, that there is a bottom line need. And you're absolutely right. If you can save, you know, if you're not shopping that same role out to an employment platform over and over again, two, three, four times a year, uh, not only are you saving on those costs, but also the, the training uh, cost. And then the reality is when someone comes out of training, they're not at the level to contribute for at least another 90 days. So all of this really, really affects uh, that that bottom line ultimately as well. And the tact incentives that employers are able to get, oftentimes employers might not know the tax incentives that they get through fidelity bonding or work opportunity tax credit with the state of Wisconsin is that easy of them uh, giving a form and letting them know that, you know, they're hiring a formerly incarcerated person and they could apply for a work opportunity tax credit through Department of Workforce Development that gives us gives them an incentive of up to $9,600 of tax incentives. And others, oftentimes, employers are afraid of hiring a, a formerly incarcerated people because they might think there might be risky or it might involve some property damage or they might be dishonest well that's where fidelity bonding plays a factor in that they could apply through department of workforce development and be able to get a fidelity bonding certificate for the employee and that's one of the other aspects that we go about and finding out what paperwork needs to be done to assist the the employers to facilitate them on providing those second chance opportunities and get them the benefits that they might be able to qualify and a fidelity bond, give me a little bit more detail than that. So a fidelity bonding is a program initially that anyone who is not eligible for commercial bonding, they're eligible for that at no cost to their employer or employee. It is like a unique tool to help a job applicant get get and keep a job. So it's something that got, you know, one of the things when I was working with the state of Wisconsin that would often blow up, I would be like dumbfounded is, how often we didn't use this tool. So employers would not often require someone a fidelity bonding. They were better off saying we would rather not hire someone because of the criminal record than say, you know what, bring me a fidelity bonding certificate and I'll provide that opportunity for you. So I don't have to worry about having that extra insurance go up on me. So, and it's just one simple form that you just need to fill out. And what is the total on that, Ruben? Is it a $50,000 max or $25,000 max? I believe it's a max of $25,000. So it's a basic $5,000 coverage bond is usually issued with no deductible amount of liability for the employer. And then larger amounts can be issued if the state bonding coordinator has determined that a large amount is appropriate for the employer they're hiring. I was just going to say, and as Ruben mentioned, you know, there, there are billions of dollars in fidelity bonding annually that go unused. Wow. Yeah. I guess if that's something that people aren't aware of, um, that's a wonderful piece of information to share. So that could eliminate a roadblock mm-hmm. for some for a business that wants to hire, but doesn't want to have to add their own risk insurance around it. 
you know, thinking back to the diversity and, and equity and inclusion in a company, when you can have more viewpoints and have more perspectives, it can also help with innovation mm-hmm. and ideas and, um, you know, reaching different markets. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Ruben and I talk about this a, a lot, you know, in terms of the, the not only the, the innovation, the, the level of entrepreneurship that we see, you know, uh, that we experienced while, while incarcerated. Um, these are some extremely creative minds. And unfortunately, some of the, the things they decided to do were ahead of their time. Uh, you know, I personally was manufacturing marijuana 20 years ago. And, and uh, you know, obviously that's now become something that's lucrative, right? So, so folks um, that, that tend to kind of uh, live or see things from the fringe really have objective, you know, perspectives and, and, and see opportunity. And you're absolutely right. When there's nothing to do but think and and explore options, you know, as you're reading a newspaper or magazine or otherwise, there, there's some pretty creative um, uh, nuances that, that are born from that experience. Yeah, for sure. That like creativity and I would think a certain level of maybe compassion and empathy, too, for others and people in different situations and being able to really bring that supportive viewpoint Again, thinking of that from businesses and organizations that are, um, you know, looking at different markets to get into and how to support and provide for more customers and clients. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great point. You know, certainly once once we experience empathy, it, it, it is much easier to to share that and, and pay it forward. So, yeah, wonderful observation. I think empathy is a big a big factor. You know, one of the three Americans have have some kind of involvement with a criminal, have something in the background. That is one out of three. So you stop and think as employers. You know, often when I do talk with employers and I ask them like, "What if you were remembered by the worst thing you've ever done?" Often a lot of employers will be like, "Oh no," you know. But that's the only difference. Of, like the people that you are hiring. There, you know, Wisconsin is really in a full band of box state. I always say it's not a full band of box state because, you know, in the public sector, they don't have to ask you, have you ever been convicted of a criminal record? They actually have the option to wait under further on in the interview to ask you that instead of up front in the application as they do in the private sector. The private sector employers still have the option to do so. So, you know, that's the only difference when it comes to applying in the private sector that we might have to check a box letting you know of what's the worst thing we've ever done. But if reality, what if everybody got to know what's the worst thing we've ever done? I mean, are you willing to write it down? It makes us no difference. So it's really important to understand that we are individuals that made a mistake, but we are more a lot more than that mistake that we've made. And you just got to prove and give us that chance. Yeah, it's giving that second chance. Otherwise, it's just a continued sentence that's already really been met and fulfilled. Yes. I think I was having uh, conducting a panel discussion board, and I believe it was Myra Jordan from AmFam who said it the best. uh, And I was blown away by what she said, but it's that I think the goal is to increase fairness in hiring, not to lower the standards for hiring. And I was like, that is so true. You cannot have said it any better. You know, we just want the fairness of, of hiring, often we talk about diversity, it's a fact, inclusion, it's a knack. 
you know, if one out of three Americans have something under criminal back, have some kind of criminal background, that means two out of three probably are black or brown or people of color. So show me that you're willing to, you know, show me by an act that you're willing to have this fairness hiring. Yeah, that's a great insight. I really like that uh, quote that you shared as well. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we can talk a little bit broader about the impacts of this on the community and our economy and our culture. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guests today are Ellie Rivera and Ruben Gaona from The Way Out. Ellie and Ruben are sharing with us information about the work that they do with justice-involved job seekers and businesses looking to hire those that are coming out of incarceration. So Ellie and Ruben, you know, let's talk a bit about the bigger impacts to say, not only individuals, but to the community, um, economic impacts, uh, impacts to our culture that you've seen from the work that you know is so important that you've been able to do. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that is an excellent opportunity to, to really share, you know, our overall vision has, has two, two parts to it. It's, it's obviously finding uh, folks coming out of incarceration employment and helping to, to create a, a more holistic and successful reentry. But further upstream, it really has to do with how can we take these success stories and, and create uh, change within the criminal justice uh, system unto itself. You know, we're finding out vocations that folks are being trained uh, for while incarcerated are irrelevant on the outside. Shouldn't we make sure we're spending money on the vocational training that is relevant once somebody comes out? So, so that's kind of, you know, where some of the savings can come institutionally. Uh, externally, we've always had this mandate, Ruben and I, to say, you know, if we could save 1% of that $16.3 billion that's wasted on recidivism, and that $163 million can go back into the communities from which the majority of these folks come out of, what kind of impact would that have on a community to, to have that, whether it could be reloaned uh, for, for entrepreneurs or put into first-time home buying opportunities uh, or any wide variety of things that we know uh, create sustainable, you know, long-term impacts in communities if the money's just invested. And so here we are, you know, asking, can we take that, those savings and reallocate those resources uh, and really help bring communities up so, so that, uh, you know, recidivism and reincarceration, those can be things of the past, whereas people now find value in their life. They find value in their community. They find that, that they have just as much opportunity to succeed as the next person. And, and by building those stronger communities, we can really break that cycle of incarceration. You know, being accepted in the community, by our culture, by society, accepted, I would think at times, even within a person's own family. Oh, absolutely. You know, there is so much to be said. We often wrestle with this and and have had some some pretty existential conversations, Ruben and I, about how much of the stigma is real and how much of it do we put on ourselves coming out of incarceration and, and being labeled as bad. And and you know, and and so really helping people navigate that that, yeah, to a certain point. 
external folks see you a certain way, but sometimes you get in your own way. And, and uh, Ruben, what, what is, what is the, the quote you like to share with folks coming out of incarceration? Because we come up with the mindset of that you can do something. So I often tell people, you know, I can doesn't assist. It is an excuse which tell ourselves to not really reach our true potential. We often get raised with a mentality and that we're being told that we can't do certain things. So when we come out of prison and as we walk out of prisons, a lot of times we have correctional officers already telling us, like, can't wait to see you back over here. So you're coming out of here with a mindset of, oh, well, it's expected of me to go back already. When in reality, no, that's not the expectation. The expectation is otherwise. You can do anything you set your mind to do. So as long as you bet on yourself and believe in yourself, and what better way to do it if you have a group of or an organization that's willing to bet with you as well to see you be successful? Yeah, that, that reminds me of a, a gentleman we had come through our system who we were able to, to help go from a $9.25 per hour job to one earning over $30 per hour. And, you know, it was incredible just the level of relief and excitement and pride this gentleman had after that. And, you know, and understanding that that not only was it because he was able now to support his family better and and, and move out of his, his mom's house and buy a vehicle, but but to feel like like, hey, now I'm contributing, you know, three times as much to to you know a tax base. Like like he's feeling like he's part of the system now, you know, as as it relates to employment. And so so you know it's it really does go a long way to that feeling included in, in society uh, when, when you, you can say just like anybody else, hey, I'm contributing just like you. I'm no different. That's a really good point. Yeah, go ahead, Ruben. We also had a family that by word of mouth ended up hearing about the way out and they were located in New Mexico that ended up saying, you know what, they couldn't find employment in New Mexico. So they're like, they decided to take a, to bet on themselves, like I said, and take a chance and say, you know what, let me move up to Wisconsin and reach out to the way out. And with our organization, the supporting organization that we, that we work with, we were actually able to help them not only find employment, but also secure an apartment for themselves already. And they both have sustainable employment that they've been working. They just got an apartment for themselves now. So it's like just to see the girls and how happy they are, knowing that they went from not being employed in New Mexico to coming here and earning more than what they were earning in New Mexico and have somewhere to live. It's like, those are the changes that we're looking to make in people's lives. We often forget, this has been an idea for way longer than it's been in operation. We just launched our platform at the end of of November. Uh, So we brought people through, you know, almost a couple dozen uh, individuals through the platform and and have uh, supported them, found them employment, all of this during COVID. We were able to, to onboard remotely. We were able to find employment remotely. We were able to do these things. So, you know, we, we as we figure this, this system out, we're, we know the impact is going to be greater and greater. And, and with, you know, the contribution from uh, American Family, as, as we said, now we can throw 15 more reentry service providers into our network uh, and just keep growing exponentially, helping more and more people, saving more and more families, the pain of separation and the costs associated with it to our communities, our state, and our country. That's wonderful. This has been very informative for me and given me a lot different perspective on the work that's so important that you are doing. And I thank you for that. 
thank you for this this opportunity to to share with your base. And as we close, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. You know, if you like today's show and want to know more, you can visit www.ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.